Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 356. And to, I mean, I feel like I say it all the time, but today, today's p- podcast is one of my favorite conversations I've had in a while. I've recorded two podcasts, two days on the bounce, and both of them, I just came away going, wow, that's one of the best episodes I've done. Just so and just enjoyable again in these weird times when we're all isolated. Um, I should say I'm joined today by Miana Burin, and I've been a fan of Miana for a while, and we've chatted online for years, and and yeah, we've known each other a bit for a while. I forgot to mention it in the podcast actually, because um, I'm sure one of the first times we interacted, it was over a love of a spoken word piece from Polar Bear, and yeah. She's been in so many things I, I adore, and we talk about a lot of them. Um, you're going to really in, enjoy this. The time absolutely flew by. So let's get into it. Before we head there, if you want to head over to patreon.com forward slash pip, you're welcome to. It's only a dollar. Uh, there's Generally, the idea is that you pledge a dollar if you enjoy these podcasts and want to c- c- contribute. And then every now and then I'll do some bonus stuff over there. I've I've had an idea for some stuff to do in December. So there might be, you might get an awful lot for your dollar all of a sudden. I mean, you can pay more, but you might get an awful lot for your, your dollar all of a sudden. But you might not. I might not do it. <laughs> I don't hard sell these things, do I? Um, but, but something that is dope is... They should be live by the time this podcast comes out. Over at speechdevelopmentrecords.com, the new We May Not Be For You and That's Fine sweaters. They're so good. It's one of the rare times I've done, obviously I've done black, but I've also done like a grey sweater as well. Normally I just do everything in black and that annoys people every now and then, but it's all I wear and I mainly make this merch to give me more things to wear. Um, but yeah, they're really dope. I think you're going to like them. And we've got another special merch item coming ahead of Christmas that is going to blow your minds. Let's get into the podcast. We talk about a lot of stuff here. We talk about Ben Wheatley, who's been on the podcast. We talk about Michael Smiley, who's been on the podcast. We talk about Neil Maskell, who's been on the podcast. So I recommend you you, you enjoy this one and then go back and listen to at least those three, if not more. We talk about... Stephen Graham, he's been on the podcast. Is there anyone else that we mention? Uh, no, no one springs to mind. Uh, I'm just having a good think. I'm sure there was something that came up in conversation that I thought, I'll mention that in the intro to to be clear on it, but I've completely forgotten. So I'm sure it will come up. Um, <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah, I, I wanted to mention that before we started r- r- rolling... We were chatting about um, kind of popcorn films and just there's like I've had a bit of time in this recent bit of the pandemic where I've not wanted I've got so many good things I need to get watched and want to get watched but I've not been in the mood for them so I've been in the mood for for popcorn films and I think at one point Miana references that and it occurred to me as she was saying it that I was like oh that was our conversation before we were recording so I thought I'd give you a heads up now so when she randomly mentions popcorn. It will make sense. I think I think it didn't make sense. It might make sense. Who knows? Yeah, this is episode 356 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with the wonderful Miana Burin. Right, uh, before we continue with the podcast, um, 
last week or or the week before, we were sponsored by Barack Obama, A Promised Land, his his new book. And I asked you guys to send in your 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 thoughts on hope and the things that give you hope in a year that's been a tough one <laughs> or a few years that have been a tough one f- for many the, because the book aims to to inspire young people to lift their voices and play their part in remaking the world further better and i've got some lovely really lovely responses f- from you guys so i wanted to read a few a few out in this in this um extended i guess branded s- segment whatever you wish to call it but I think, again, we kind of could all do with hearing about some hope as this year seems longer than most. Um, so let me start with, yeah, I had a great one from, from Alexandra, who who mentions something that in the Miana Burin um, episode, I get emotional at the end talking about this exact thing. So I really, this one jumped out to me. Hi Pip, I hope you're well. Um, I was listening to your podcast and wanted to write in about Marcus Rashford because he really has given me hope during this past year. I think this past year has brought out the worst in some people, but also the best, and Marcus Rashford is one of those. He has given me hope that people are inherently good and want to look out for one another. Marcus has brought out the best in other people too, and it made me quite emotional seeing people come together to raise money to pay for meals for children who would otherwise gone have gone without now he's even launched a book club to encourage children to read and provide them with escapism he really is a great role model acting as a voice to those who do not have one and making change happen witnessing self-actions this past year like people hoarding loo roll and panic buying really got me down and frustrated but the actions of marcus rashford has given me hope and made me recognise the good in humanity. Thank you. I look forward to more episodes of your podcast. Best wishes, Alexandra. Yeah, I completely agree on that one. There's another one that talks about how stuff that brings out the worst often brings out the best as well. Um, before I get to that one, though, I'll, I'll end on on one that I liked. Which one shall I end on and which ones shall I read? Um, I'll, I'll end on one from a guy called Callum. But um, there was a, a nice short one that I enjoyed from from someone called Alex. Long-time listener, first-time writer for the Obama Hope call-out. The thing that gives me hope for the future is despite the shitstorm we've had to weather this year, we've learnt we can count on our local communities more than anyone else in power in the absence of friends and families because of lockdowns. And that's, yeah, that's been completely true. Um, seeing communities come together and look after those who needed looking after the most, particularly in that first lockdown. Um, yeah, was beautiful to see. Again, it's <laughs> not to, to hijack it with negativity, but it's often through failings of government or whatever else that we get to see the the strength in humanity. Um, l- last one then from from Callum. It's, it's, it's a longer one, but covers a couple of really good bits. H- Hi, Pip. Firstly, just wanted to say I love the show. Keep up the good work. I could have skipped that bit, really, the praise, but um, I didn't. 
I think hope is a wonderful topic of discussion at this time. It is perhaps the underlying idea that has got many of us through a difficult year. Hope for a safer world. Hope to see our loved ones again. Hope to be sitting on a sunny distant shore with a cold beer in our hand. But I think the events of 2020 have shown more than anything else that there is hope for a more tolerant and equal society. The killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor showed the worst of this world, but the reaction from many young people across the world showed us it didn't always need to be that way. The peaceful protest, the self-education, the commitment to becoming an anti-racist, we're not happy to let these issues pass us by because they don't directly impact us or because things have always been that way. Standing up for change is my great hope for the future. More recently... We've seen Marcus Rashford feel so disheartened by the government's disregard for underprivileged children that he started his own campaign to galvanise support from his fan base and force a policy change. This is evidence that young people can make a difference right now. And that also gives me hope. There are many things in this world that could cause despair if we were to dwell on them for too long. But we can be hopeful they will change. And we can try to be the source of hope for others in ways big or small hope for me also rests in the small things christmas at home with the family and the new puppy a hug with friends i haven't seen in months seeing sheffield wednesday in the premier league we can hope right all the best callum and yeah i do think callum's nailed it with a few points there it's weird i talk about this again with miana um in an upcoming episode with k tempest and polar bear that it does feel like we're in an era that things are realistic to change and hope is is key to that change, I guess. If we don't have those hopes, then we're not going to have the motivation to push for that change. So yeah, thank you for listening to me ramble on. Apologies for it being a bit long. A, a Promised Land, the, the biography of Barack Obama is out now. So get your hands on it and um, spread the hope. Keep being positive and keep thinking positive and acting positive and striving for positive change. All right, we can get on with the podcast now. you i'm all right how are you i am good before we got rolling we were talking about how hectic we can be as humans and how obviously with all the it it should be a given but with all the the damage of the pandemic the fact that it's forced us to take a breather a little bit particularly in an industry which isn't it doesn't believe in families and (laughs) and life and anything (laughs) outside (laughs) I know at all. I think, but like I was saying, I think it's vital. I think it's really yeah. important. Like, like you know, we're animals, and we're not supposed to necessarily travel as quickly and uh, at such a fast pace as we do. So to just stop, and obviously, it's it, you know, I know everyone says it, but I think it's really true. If it works for you, and you want to be really busy and hectic, and if you want to be really productive, that's beautiful. Crack on. Yeah. And if you don't, then don't. And I have firm, like the first lockdown both me and my husband just said, we think we should do nothing. 
just yeah. be with our kid <laughs> and do nothing. Yeah. And there was lots of stuff we should have done. There was lots of people saying, look, uh, we're waiting on this from you. And, and we just said no. And it was amazing. And obviously we didn't expect it to carry on this long, but it has carried on this long. I've, yeah. I've gone back to filming, but we've sort of done, you know, as, as little as, as possible, uh, really. It's really interesting <laughs> watching the, a lot of the creative arts in this period because it felt that it was assumed that a lot of them could just keep getting on with it. Like I know a lot of, of, of authors and stuff like that, and obviously they do work from home and write, but the whole world changed. Your mind changed completely. You're worrying about your family. Even if, you, if you're not, it's not, everything is different. So I think it took a while yeah, for those industries to acknowledge that, or, or for industries in general to acknowledge that just because your trip to work or your location of work hasn't changed, mm. it doesn't mean that it's just business as usual because nothing is business as usual this year. Exactly. And I feel it's some, some, something's happened where it's not only like the, the lockdown, but I think um, conversations about mental health, they've been building up for years now. Yeah. And, or, you know, politics and division. and uh, But it seems like it's all been coming together at the same time, which is really interesting. Because I think that for some people that's unlocked this sense that, oh, yeah, we do need to stop and take stock. And whether yeah. that's resting or just pausing how we how we go about our so-called normal and yeah. and think about how we change it because it's not necessarily working, not just for us, but for everybody. 100%. I think that's kind of extraordinary that it's not just been individual cases. It's just been on a, you know, on a larger social and global kind of platform. Lots of things seem to be changing. And I think it's making a lot of people able to, for the first time, say, no, we're normally you have to say yes. I'm not saying the pressure to say yes and the pressure to produce stuff or the pressure to um, be creative or, or, or do any other job stops, but I do think it's giving license to more than it normally would somehow. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think part of that comes from the unity. Again, in, in using this industry acting as an example, you feel you can't say no to things because someone else will say yes. Yeah. In a situation where it's not as easy for anyone to say yes, there's a comfort in going, look, this isn't acceptable. And we've seen that y unity is where change comes from. Yeah. The LGBTQ plus communities all coming together has been where change has been made. The unity over the change in, in representation or, or rights for people of, of colour is where change has started to be made. So I genuinely believe that when we come together, we can change anything. And this pandemic has forced a lot of us into a big gang that we never knew we wanted to be part of or, or we're going to be part of, I guess. Definitely. And I think for a lot of people, something's changed in the sense that people have seen things and, you know, once you see it, you cannot unsee it. It's not that it didn't yeah. exist before. It's just, you, you you know, you're cracking on with other things. Yeah. You're, you're moving fast, you know, again. Yeah. And suddenly you stop and you take a look and once you see it, you cannot unsee it. I mean, that's the only, the, I mean, that's the huge positive I take from all of it is that hopefully it means that fundamental change will now happen. And, you know, the, lots of things will take a lot of time. And the main thing, in, you know, in terms of representation, in terms of, you know, say um, movements like Black Lives Matter, et cetera. But I think yeah. it's more that people are now aware how quick, how we need to push for legis legislative change and structural change within industries that we work in. And I think a lot more people are actively on board with it now, which is great. Yeah. The rest of it, I, you know, obviously, as we know, will take 
a long time because sadly it's you know it's so ingrained but i i feel that that is a positive i do feel in this time of real darkness and 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 craziness i do feel a lot of positivity about that yeah which is something to hang on to i think hopefully yeah i completely agree it does feel like it's 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 the time that it's reasonable to or it's the time that is realistic to hope for better and to push for better. I think there there have been points throughout history where you just go, I mean, that would be ideal, but that's, that's, you know, that's a fairy tale. That's imaginary. Whereas now you can go, no, let's actually start moving towards that. Yeah. And it has to be real. Rather than say it's unreachable. Yeah. It's got to be real because the alternative is pretty horrific. So, you know. I mean, one of the good things that has come of this pause is that we're finally having uh, this conversation because we've been talking about doing this for ages, haven't we? So, <laughs> For years, I feel. Years. I know. It has been years. So it's beautiful <laughs> that, again, I, I was reluctant originally on the, doing podcasts over Zoom, like when we at first didn't know how long this was all going to happen. And I'm so glad I've jumped into it because there's been so many people that have gone through and gone, oh, uh, we've been trying to line it up for years. Uh, let's see if they're about. So it was c- good to hit you up. And it kind of, I was prompted from having the Ben Wheatley uh, podcast I did recently. So oh, I'm going to jump all over timelines. And I, I was going to start with uh, working with Ben, but we've mentioned a representation and the gradual move toward change. And yeah, I think you were an example of that a long time ago. I think the descent was a great example of a female led with varying characters, not just here's Wonder Woman. Yeah. You know, the the most beautiful, most powerful woman. Yeah. There's representation. It's like that's yeah. great, but that's not representation. That's one the yeah. absolute pinnacle of what a human can look like and be. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, no, so no. it's kind you of can't get there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So but it's it's always interesting that it's 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 confused me as to as to to when it went as such because, again, I always some of my f- favorite characters in cinema history were strong a women Ripley and Alien, yeah, Terminator, all of these for so long. So again, how how was that in two thousand and five to be part of a film that was not only female led, it was almost exclusively female, yeah, but it wasn't talked about, it wasn't marketed upon that. I think that's the thing that's changing at the moment is so much is marketed upon it which is absolutely fine because if it gets it through the the finances and all these other things then so be it but how was that to be part of i I mean it was amazing for lots of reasons but like you know a lot of jobs that you do you don't kind of realize until after quite how extraordinary it was i mean it wasn't you know at the time so personally for me it was my first film i got it i was gonna say it was really early in your in your career in in general yeah so that Again, you're not going to be able to look at how different it is. Or yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's brand new. Isn't this yeah. what all films are like? I know, and it, it sort of ruined me for, for a long time afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is what it's like, right? Because um, yeah. was, I was pretty much just out of drama school. I think I was 24, but I was green, like super, super green. Um, yeah. I think I'd shot an episode of Casualty and... I played a rape victim in a, another cop series this was a, a, for a day. Yeah. So these were that was my experience on on being on sort of a, a big set. So that was amazing. Filming with other women at the time, that didn't strike me as odd. In hindsight, I have become increasingly aware of how extraordinary that was, actually. Yeah. Um, at the time, it just felt normal. 
Um, and yeah, I think that maybe says something about, I don't know, upbringing and my naivety. I just thought that was absolutely normal. And I remember my audition really clearly. Um, it was Gail Stevens, who was awesome. And, you know, as you know, it's like it, all these people along the way who sort of help you out. But Gail Stevens had really kindly invited me for a chat when I was at drama school and then remembered me for this film a few months later. Amazing. You know, as is the case throughout our careers, you know, you meet somebody and they sort of remember you and go, oh, yeah, this might work. And I mention it all the time on the podcast and it sounds like I'm just trying to get work, but it's why casting agents and directors are so underrated because I had exactly the same. Yes. The, my first casting was with Reg Puskat Edgerson, who, who was amazing, but yeah. my second was with Amy Hubbard and she literally took me aside beforehand and said, I think I got a call back and she, she, she got me in before the callback. I said, look, here's what, here's what we need to get. And then the week later, she got me in and helped me pick an agent. And if, because I didn't have an agent or anything at that point, I was just hustling meetings on my own. And she said, look, this is good. You're good. You should be represented. And again, she didn't have to do any of that. So it's mind blowing that you think of what it as just, oh, they sit there and just go through a list of people and go that one, that one, and that one. It's like, no, they, no. they really care about the industry and the actors, which is the key part. Absolutely. And I feel like so many of them, you know, they really, you know, they've got these amazing lists and these incredible memories. I mean, I struggle because I, I don't, I have a facial recognition thing where I just, I struggle to sort of put faces to people yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of a lot of the time I need a lot of context to do it. I remember stories but I don't remember faces necessarily or names so I don't know how they do it but this incredible you know and I know the work a lot of them go through in order to be able to remember and they take notes on everything they watch and they remember you and and they really profoundly change a lot of our lives and yeah. and also you know you if you work on something as you know where the casting has been done really thoughtfully it's magic on set yeah. because yeah, most of the work is done when you get the team together and, and it clicks and it works and you know that's not you that's that's a casting agent and director and producers depending on the project how everyone's been involved yeah making that happen it's yeah. it's vitally important and yeah. it's great you know makes our experience so i mean so so the descent was definitely a case of that just getting these six awesome women together and gail at that point had cast like train spotting and things like that right so had done like amazing things so it was really major yeah again a lot of stuff that had not necessarily big names because again you kind of always think of like how hard was it to cast the irishman for example it's basically all the best actors in the world that must be easy to go yeah i'll have the nero pacino stephen graham joe pesci uh, amy and all these like ridiculously Dumb. good people yeah. but yeah. Gail was already known for going, right, now I'm going to find the right talent, not just that easy kind of, here's my top list of the biggest people in the world at the moment. And no, and good on it. And also good on, you know, like that, that was Salador, that was Christian Coulson was a producer and obviously yeah. Neil Marshall. And good on them for not wanting to get big names in, which they could have, but to sort of keep it low key so there wasn't this sort of odd dynamic, not odd, but, you know, that you can have a dynamic on set if somebody is a very well-known star and is kind of bringing that yeah. that with them or that experience with them. But, um, I mean, all the girls had done way more work than I had. Yeah. But there was still a level of sort of anonymity about all of us. But in hindsight, I have to say, it's funny because we it's the one film that I look back on and I have never quite understood why all of those women aren't working and so much more well-known than they are. Yeah. Because they are extraordinary actors all of them and 
brilliant human beings and it did so well. I mean, for a genre at the time, I mean, what was it? It must have been like 2005. For a genre film to come out and do so well critically, that's unheard of. It's, you know, or at the time it was unheard of. I remember just going to my local cinema and it happened to be on. I thought, I'll go and see that because I'd do a lot of that at the time because yeah. I didn't have a proper job. And I just, yeah, I, I remember just going and watching being just blowing away and remember ex- exactly that going, this is huge. Yeah. It seems to have had no p- PR campaign almost and it's purely just blowing up on word of mouth. Obviously it would have had a PR campaign, but not compared to your huge blockbusters and whatnot so no what's it you you say that it's funny because i mean i can't i don't really know the whole um campaign that they did with it i mean that's not uh, i was as i say really green i wouldn't have had a clue what was going on but i remember that we had our we had the premiere um in i think it was leicester square somewhere and um we'd all had a night out afterwards celebrating and I woke up at my friend's house in the morning um, and from a phone call, my mum called and said, um, put the put the TV on. And um, it was the, um, uh, you know, the tube bombings in London. Oh, wow. And the bus that was blown up, I forget the, the square now, but the bus that was blown up had a poster of the descent on it. Um, oh, my word. And so, and obviously at the time, having these posters of a woman, you know, because it was Shauna coming out of the earth that was kind yeah. of on the poster. Oh, obviously that Lord. was, uh, it was all taken away. Yeah. Um, and I remember, so because so, it was this extraordinary, you know, we were all so proud and we're all so, you know, that thing when you, I think when you are sort of younger and, well, no, still now I get really proud of things, you know, when there's that camaraderie and togetherness and everyone was so excited and all our friends were so excited, our families were so excited. It was yeah. it was a big deal for us. It, and, you know, we had no idea if it was a big deal for anyone else, but for us it was massive and we'd had this great celebration. It was all on such a high. And then that morning I remember the juxtaposition of this darkness and, and all of us calling each other because we were worried that that somebody might have been taking a tube home in the yeah. morning so and yeah. in fact there was someone who who would have been on the tube but they um because they were so hung over they'd actually stayed in bed so oh, wow. um but i remember yeah i remember that really clearly and in fact or, or i've just remembered that now yeah. that we're talking about it but yeah i think i think that probably had a big effect on the marketing campaign that that was planned i think i mean i don't i don't know i'm guessing here yeah. But I think then, then again, taking from that, it was sort of extraordinary that it did garner that kind of attention. And, and I think definitely it was a better film for having women in it and, and yeah. not making a big deal out of it. Just yeah, like, completely. Because, exactly because that's that. true. Yeah. You know, you've got, you know, you've, you've got, you know, groups of mates who are all male and I've got groups of mates who are all female and you'll have groups of mates who are all female and I've got groups of mates who are all male. But that's, that's really, you know, it's a normal thing. And the more of a big deal you make out of it, sticking an arrow to it, pay attention. You know, yeah. That's sort of, and I look forward to the time when, and I, like you say, I really understand why that is now something that's made a point of because it sort of needs to be because representation is a problem and has yeah. been a problem and needs to be readdressed. So yes, let's, Let's make a big deal out of it. Or, or an example of that will be that how many things have you done since then that have been yes. so female-led? So that, it's an example that that was something of an anomaly. You wouldn't have known it at the time because it was your no. first job. So you were like, wow, yeah. this is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. How it should be, I know. This is great. So it does make sense that these do need to be pushed more and, and, and more of a thing. Yes. But I do look forward to the time when... We don't even mention it yeah. because it's not a big deal. That's when we've actually got representation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That you know, you you know, you have an entire um, cast um, of black actors, and yeah. we don't even mention it because yeah. it's the norm. 
it, it will happen. I love that. So, so j- uh, jumping f- forward then to, so uh, uh, six years later, I believe, uh, re- release-wise, um, to Kill List. Um, how was that, working with Ben? Because Ben told the story, and I, I hadn't really thought about it at the time, that it was so such an unlikely film to get made kind of thing because it was so dark and so weird and he's like yeah it's but it's still it's not really a genre it's not really a a horror horror it's this weird it sits in its own world yeah no i never saw it as a horror i never saw it. i, I saw it as a psychological thriller always completely when, you know, yeah it's, it's, but it was funny because i'd again there was a, a you know a lovely casting agent who i was sort of up for bits and bobs and i got brought in to do a reading for a BBC comedy thing. And I never got, and I still don't really get called up for comedy. Um, I don't know why, but um, <laughs> no, <laughs> but um, the, for me, I thought that was awesome. So I went for this audition and I got it and it turned out it was Wrong Door and it was Ben directing it. Um, yes. And uh, I suppose the gimmick was that they were using CGI quite cheaply and they were making sort of comedy gags around that or sketches around that. Anyway, met Ben, had an awesome time, but, you know, it was all quite lighthearted. And then he called up and said, you know, would you um, like to, or I'd like you to come for a reading with um, Neil and... Did I know of Neil at the time? I feel like I did. I feel like he's such a legend that everybody knows about Neil, you know? I was going to say, he, he has that feeling as soon as you meet him as well, though. It feels like you've known this guy for ages. He's like the friendliest, yeah. He is. He's the friendliest, smartest, brightest, most wonderful human being. He's extraordinary. 100%. He was one of the early people I got on the podcast because I worked with him on my on my first ever f- film. And I was like, number one, I expected him to be great because I'm a fan of his work but yeah. I didn't know how intelligent he was and how how just uh, yeah just amazing he was I was like I need him on the podcast because yeah. I think of him as that bloke from Football Factory or whatever and then he'll like pull you aside and tell you what the particular camera setup reminds him of and just all sorts of just he's got such an amazing mind he's a poet he's such a beautiful poet he's extraordinary and really kind yeah Yeah. like you say kind but so anyway whether i knew him before or not yes i feel like i've known him forever but um and michael smiley i hadn't no i hadn't met but i mean again what a force of nature he's just wonderful i call him the guru because he's just he's every now and again i call him up out of the blue and i'm like hi guru can i have a session (laughs) yeah i've 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 told a few people that uh, Earlier in the year, um, a few of the scripts I'm working on, I'm now working on because I had a chance catch up with Smiley and with him about an inch from my face, he just motivated me more than anyone has in the world ever. Just as explained, well, I'm working on this. He's like, so why aren't you doing it? So what, like, like yeah. n- no kind of, oh, that sounds good. Or that's it's like, so what's the plan? When can I see it? Kind of just really, I was like, yeah, no, you're right. Okay. All right. Yes. I'm so glad. I know he's one of he's remarkable. I mean, to sort of be in the presence of that human being for a bit is just magic. I'm going to give a, a quick recommendation before we move on. But he, please he, do. He was on a podcast called Insane in the Membrane, and it's one of, of the best conversations I've ever heard. <laughs> if 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 you've not heard it, I recommend going and listen because a couple of the stories I'm he tells down now. are just beautiful. It's one of the, the best bits of podcasting I've heard. But, yeah, continue. I keep interrupting. <laughs> no, no, that's the best thing. The interruptions are the best thing. Insane in the membrane. Here we yes. go. More of Smiley. You'll love, love it. it. He tells two particular s- stories. Isn't it? A, a, one about his, his lovely wife and one about a raster he met. And it's just, yeah, they're both like, this could be 
you know, a fable or a parable. If it was like this has been like etched in well, something rather than just casually spoken. Yeah, he's got that gift, doesn't he? When like, I don't know, everything feels true to the core mm. and heightened in a, in a way that I think, yeah, only real storytellers, you know, like yeah. those storytellers of old that, you yeah. know, the, it's, the ones that pass things on, the wisdom. That's why he's the guru. Completely. I mean, it's it's heightened even more. A little more background information was that podcast they hadn't planned to record it that day. A, a, a Rich Wilson, who who hosts it, had been recording another one. He bumped into Smiley and he said, I've just been recording a podcast. He said, well, when am I coming on? So, well, we can do it now if you want. And they went and recorded it. So it's not even as if these amazing stories are things he had prepared and was was like, oh, I'll, I've got my set pieces. I like on t- American talk shows and that, where they have their set anecdote or whatever. It's like, no... This was just a chance meeting and it's gold. It's it's in his bones and his blood. It's beautiful. Yeah. So that's two amazing people to be thrown in with and to meet for the first time coming or get in with. Right. And who are phenomenal improvisers as well. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. And up until that point, I hadn't really had an opportunity to do anything, you, you know, to, to work like that at all. I bet you I must have felt really intimidated, but I tend to, when I feel intimidated, it doesn't sort of, um, I will see it as a kind of challenge and I'm more like, come on, Miana, pull your bootstraps up, do this. Yeah. But I also, I think luckily I'm also quite good at appreciating when other people are wonderful around me, um, which is a bit of a joyful thing because it means you you, you don't worry so much about you. But I do, I, I th- I'm sort of thinking back now. I remember we met and then we did a reading and then uh, Ben got us in because I think... Some of the producers or just d- didn't know if this cast of what I think they thought we felt that we were unknowns, which, you know, which I suppose was fair. We were um, what, you know, they probably felt that they should be more established actors doing this. Um, so Ben had to kind of prove to them that we were the people for the job. Uh, so he got us all in to do this sort of improvised, uh, the dinner scene. We sort of did the dinner right. scene, which was partly on script and, yeah. and then partly just improvised. And... Yeah, I remember that going like, oh, God, I don't know if I can keep up. This is amazing. Like, And yeah. also the, the other thing is that Smiley and Neil are extraordinarily funny. Yeah. So to keep a straight face, and I think in a lot of the film when I'm supposed to be sort of quite angry or something, I just can't stop laughing. But then I yeah. thought, no, let's just make that part of, you know, because that's true with a cat, you know, in relationships, you you know, you might be fuming at your partner, but you love them and you find them hilariously funny. Yeah, so I was like, and it's annoying you even more. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I mean, just quickly to pause you there, how, how was mm. it when you got home after that? Because the feeling of holding your own in, in amongst those people who are such yeah. good improvisers, it's, I'm sure it's terrifying at the time. Again, I, I know that the first yeah. time I was on set with St- Stephen Gr- Graham, I didn't have any dialogue. So I'd thought about my character, but I hadn't really gone deep in yet. I knew it was a week or two until I got to my scenes. I was just in the background of this. But I was stood next to my character and Stevens were stood together. And he kind of said, well, we wouldn't be stood here in silence. So every take, he threw a different line at me. And I was bricking it, but it was beautiful because it's like, okay, let's go. And a couple of times I hit a home run on, on what I batted back. And again, it didn't make it into anything, but it gave the director's confidence in me and the producer's confidence in me and the people watching. And I remember getting home after that and kind of exhaling and going, yeah, yeah. that was, I felt like it was complete fluke, but I felt like, yeah. there you go. Because again, Stephen is another one. D- despite him being a dear friend now, 
obviously I idolised Stephen Graham. He's known as one of the best improvisers and, yeah. and performers. So, yeah, do you remember kind of the feeling after? I I know you were saying in the moment that you were like trying to keep up or or not sure if you should laugh or not. Yeah. Was there a sense of achievement after of going, I fucking kept up? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think probably I'm because I'm, I'm trying to think back just to sort of, yeah. um, but I think, I don't know. I probably a lot of the times felt like I didn't. But yeah. that it was okay, and also right. that I enjoyed myself and I learnt something. Yeah, um, and I think that's a really good thing to hold on to because the the other thing I, I don't know about you, but I feel that if I if I'm put in a situation where I put too much pressure on myself, or I think, and there's so many examples of that in life, not just in work or whatever, but if I put too much pressure on myself, I tend to shut down. I tend to not. I can't be. I can't be free. I can't be in yeah. a moment. I can't be joyful. And in a moment and being joyful. Work-wise, you won't always deliver. And yeah. and there are people who deliver all the time, and that's magic. That's great. That's yeah. an incredible gift. Or you're like me and you don't you don't always, and especially, you know, um, when I hadn't worked as much. But I remember always sort of saying to myself, like, don't, don't shut down. Like, yeah. it's okay. It doesn't matter. Like, you don't have to, like... Or the... the uh- the original form of all of this that we do before cameras or whatever, it was called a play. Yeah. We're meant to be going and playing. And that was, a, I heard yeah. a, an actor on a podcast talk about that and it blew my mind because I was in that exact position with a small small role I had. I had got so deep into to wanting to, to nail it that I'd stopped enjoying myself and it was perfectly timed. I was like, okay, I've, I've done the work now. Now let's just go and enjoy it let's piss about let's yeah. enjoy ourselves let's have fun let's I play think, i think it's really really important i mean and, and that's you know because you can walk around going like what is what is nailing it or what is or if you walk around constantly in you know in awe of people and awe in the sense that you you know on a pedestal where you feel you can never reach them yeah. well then you can never connect with them and that's such a sad is everything right it's all yeah. and it's so ultimately if you make it less about you and like have i nailed it have i been brilliant it doesn't matter when you're filming if you haven't been brilliant well you're not going to be in the edit so don't worry about it like yeah. it's <laughs> fine yeah but also you're definitely not going to make it if you're not there and and not playing and not delivering something i mean i remember also like on Killist, I, I used to describe it and it felt very much like that i felt like it was a job that you got onto set and the ball was kicked up into the air and the entire day was keeping the ball up, keeping the yeah. ball up, keeping the ball up. Like yeah. You never let it hit the ground. You never wanted to be the person that let it fall on the ground. And yeah. I don't think I'm the only one who felt that. I don't know if everyone would describe it like that, but that's definitely... I mean, I'd, I'd imagine that's everyone who's ever worked with Smiley because it feels like it. that would be his... Like, yeah. when, when you're on a set with him, he is that constant guy. So it would feel... So where's the, 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 the pause? There's not a half time. There's no... Oranges. No. And I, I think also Ben very much so and like the team around him, like you know, like Laurie and yeah. um and all, all the team around, they work really fast and yeah. they sort of harness that energy and you know and celebrate it. And the and the thing is like every job that you do, everyone who comes onto the job, every single person is on their particular journey at that particular moment. So you're just kind of colliding at that moment. All of those journeys are colliding, and that's what that's what makes every single job magic and interesting yeah. and something to learn from. And, and, and you can't kick yourself for where you are at your particular journey that, yeah. you know, yeah. that's, that's sort of pointless. And 100%. I think the other thing is I have a really high um, threshold for embarrassment, um, which is Great. really useful. Yeah. So, um, and I think that's something to sort of always 
work towards. Like, yeah. <laughs> because I've, I've, if you are happy to be totally mortified, it's all right. It's good. Yeah, you know, you can... <laughs> I realised this week that my superpower throughout my whole career is being able to ignore things in that it's not that I'm confident. It's just I'm really good at ignoring how nervous I am or really good at ignoring how worked up I am. Just going, I'll deal with that after we've finished. That's amazing. And then, yeah. So it's just, it's not, it's not yeah. actually any real confidence running. It's like, I'm good at ignoring all my self-doubt until it's done. And then, yeah, exactly that. Just being in there and not worrying about, oh, how am I going to look? How's this going to come across? Like, let's just do it. Exactly. But I think that's a really useful thing. I think that's, that's the whole thing, to find whatever it is that works for you that stops you making your... Because we all have insecurities, yeah. but it's just whatever it stops us from making other, other people suffer for our insecurities and, yeah. and ourselves, actually. Yeah. Because, I mean, we suffer enough just by having them, but, but to make a bigger deal of them than what they are. Yeah. Just be like, yeah, of course they're there. I'm nervous. No, nope, I didn't nail that. That's okay. We're doing it again. Pick yourself up. Come on. And I think there's something also about grafting, which is... We talk a lot about this job being a luxury and, and all of that. And, of, of course, the elements of that. But the truth is that stories are the sort of backbone of our society, the backbone we're animals with stories, essentially. Yeah. So they're vital um, in that sense. And also we... Um, we oh, I totally lost my train of thought. Well, But, you know, we're animals, we're saying, we're, yeah, we're, we're storytellers, but we're also... Um, yeah, no, I've... It's gone. It's fine. Well, uh, I mean... Welcome to my lockdown brain. No, that's... This is I'm, where I'm... <laughs> it's 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 uh, it's the best kinds of conversations is when we go in all over the place and getting lost and forgetting. It means that we're genuinely excited to be talking about these things because it is exciting. Exactly. So with a film like Kill List... Yeah. How was it when you saw the final edit? Because, again, it feels like one that would be such a whirlwind to make. You've no idea what you're actually making. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's so there's no time to breathe and go, oh, it's been going well. You're like, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Until it's finished happening. And then you're like, yeah. well, I don't know what happened there. I don't know what that's yeah. going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm trying to go, all right, now I'm trying to think about what it's sort of, what I was going to say before as well, when we did this read through, yes. uh, so, so that, you know, I'd sort of met Ben and it was all comedy, comedy, the ha-ha fun and, yeah. and he's very funny and he's great banter yeah. and then Neil very funny great banter smiley very funny great yeah. banter and you know we all got uh, got together and read the script and went uh, what because it was so dark yeah, where's the comedy it was where's the... yeah we, yeah we sort of went oh this is okay and it was sort of like a little wonderful insight into into um, Ben and Amy's wild minds yeah. Yeah, um, and <laughs> Here's why I'm joking all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't handle the silence. I don't want to go back to these places. <laughs> but like now, in hindsight as well, and like looking at all the work that they've done, I just, you know, I realise as well, they're just great creatives. Yeah. And I remember when I saw Kill List as well, I knew it was sort of spectacularly special. Yeah. I felt the same when I saw Down Terrace as well. Yeah. I, I just, it blew me away. It sort of opened up the universe of possibilities in my mind for what you could do. And I think that's what's so special about Ben and um, and Amy and his, his team is that they they just made things possible that, that are possible, obviously because they can do it, but also because they just do it. Well, they're completely unaware of what they're not meant to be able to do. Or not meant to be allowed yeah, to do, and they just—it doesn't feel like it's. Oh, we're going to push no. the boundary here. It feels like going. No, we're just going to do this. 
Yeah. It's not about anything other than telling this story or doing this thing, you know? Well, exactly. And doing it with real sort of um, commitment. And um, it's so exciting and it's so refreshing. And I have to say, I feel that about all all Ben's work that I see. I just think it's really refreshing, like whether it ends up being your cup of tea or not. But, you know, a field in England I thought was stunning. Yeah. Blew me away. Like I'm actually, I'm, I'm a bit of a fidgeter. I don't, you know, if it's a play that's three hours long, I'm, I'm one of those people who will struggle. I don't, yeah. I don't dismiss plays or, or any work that's long form or mm-hmm. I, I absolutely think it has its place. But, you know, before I go in, I'm one of those. I'm like, mm, I need to you know, I, I like my this. 20 minute yeah. bites or, you know, an hour bite, you've got me. But, um, yeah. uh, but that just had me transfixed. I, I, I adored it and I think I felt like I felt that about Kill List and yeah. and it wasn't so much about like oh I'm part of this I was like this is just great this is yeah. kind of awesome and it's such a fluke and such a wonderful little alleyway of um, events that or, or sequence of events that have led me to be a part of it and how freaking lucky am I and yeah. I still feel like that. And I feel very grateful to Kill List because it sort of changed a lot of things for me work-wise, I feel. Oh, let's, I mean, mm. let's talk about sequence of events <laughs> then because it's fascinating to hear that there was some doubt. And Ben had spoken of this as well, of is this cast, you know, n- n- not that they're unknown, but where's our superstar? Where's the person that we're selling this off? Yeah. It's interesting that they were thinking that. And then that same year, you were part of the biggest franchise in film at the time with Twilight. So how was that? Again, as projects to go f- from and to. Yeah. And, 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 and to have that huge exposure, I guess. Yeah. How was that to be part of? It was also, I remember I was doing Kill List and because um, I shot my scenes and then um, Michael uh, and Smiley and Neil went off on their amazing love affair, which was yeah. kind of gorgeous to watch and yeah. knew they were filming up there. I went back to London and got a call saying, oh, they've got an open casting, um, send a tape in for, for Twilight. And I'd read the books. Yeah. Now, you know, talking about popcorn, this is popcorn I loved. Yeah. And I remember like devouring the books going, this is great. I, you know, so I was sort of a big fan. Of, and I remember at the time, there's a lot of talk about people saying, you know, why do a tape? Why send a tape? I mean, nobody's going to watch a tape. And I always sent tapes. Yeah. I was like, no, if you get an opportunity to send a tape, send a tape, do, yeah. like do it. And and I was, in terms of unknown, like I, I was pretty unknown. It wasn't that I'd done, you know, any sort of work. I mean, Descent, but it, it was quite a long time ago. You know, sure. I was one of the many sort of, but you know, I didn't always work. Um, yeah. um, I definitely didn't make my living out of being an actor at the time at all. But I popped this tape away. It was one of those where I was like, I think I know how to do this. So I, I got a friend in and sent it off. And two weeks later, got a call saying I'd got the job off the tape. So I always say to everyone, send your tapes. Yeah. <laughs> like, do it, do it, because you never know. Couldn't and agree so more. I. That was towards the, and I, then I went up and filmed um, a few um, of the last scenes for Kill List, knowing that I suddenly got this job and that I would be away for sort of six eight months, which was in Vancouver and yep. a, a lot of it, and it was amazing. I sort of I I knew that it would be an experience. I didn't expect for the sort of circus that I knew had gone on for others because I knew there were so many new actors coming on on board for the last two films yeah but for me it was a huge deal it was enormous one there were films based on books that I loved it was 
a massive franchise. It was working on a really big scale, bigger than I ever had. And it was with a bunch of new people and it was a massive adventure going off to America and then, um, you know, in Canada. And um, and it was awesome. It was and yeah. kind of like Kill List and all the best jobs. You know, you have... You have families and my, and very weirdly, we all kind of got on, all, I mean, all the actors got on and all the new actors, obviously, because you're the newbies, yep. sort of clicked together and we were all in one hotel for a long time or most of the time together. But everyone sort of lumped into their families, the the, <laughs> the sort of vampire families. Oh, amazing. So my, fam- my family were the Denali's and we are still in touch and, um, you know, and like the Descent Girls, I'm still in touch with them and yeah. I'm still in touch with, you know, Neil and Smiley every now and again and um, the Denali lot I'm still in touch with and, you know, you send each other baby pics and, <laughs> you know, it. or, if, you know, Casey started writing and directing and so she sends me stuff and... It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of gorgeous. And what I re- what that taught me was that it's all the same. Whether yeah. it's a tiny low budget or a massive, massive production, as you know, it's all the same. And it's yeah. all about playing and it's all, uh, you know, about making it fun and, and you know, de- delivering the job, but also being able to do it in a, in a fun way. And all, the rules apply, same rules, you know, know your lines, turn up on time, don't be a dick. And, and, and you know so quickly who is on the same wavelength as you and who you're going to connect with and who are the the, the ones that you're going to have that that long-term interaction with and go back and forth with. It's such a it's, – it, it surprised me how instant it is. It's kind of as soon as you're there, you're like, oh, yeah, I know who out of this group is going to be the ones who get me th- through this whole period and – yeah, but again, it's that, that's that, it's like being that animal. Like it's you, your gut, you know. Like we we know it's uh, they're good things to trust. Yeah, and I think every time we don't trust our gut, we learn pretty quickly that um, there's a reason for it. Yeah, I, I also call, call it like the sifting process, like after a job, because a lot of people like <laughs> yeah. often talk about being really sad when jobs end, and and I I pretty much I'm very rarely really you know distraught when a job finishes, and I th- I think actually more, more than you know it might be that i'm cold-hearted bitch that could be the case but i think it's because i i think it's because i moved around a lot when i was a kid so i learned i learned quite early on that you know moving is really hard and it's painful and all of that and you're worried about what you what you're losing and you're worried about what the future holds but things always move on and there's always good things um so goodbyes aren't terrible things actually that they're quite wonderful things and they can't there's a lot to celebrate in them and I, I sort of feel the same with every job. It's um, I, it's like my I have an inner body clock. I know when it's I have my dates, and I know when it's about to end. And my I sort of mentally and physically am somehow prepared for it. And yeah. so I feel kind of joyous in a celebrate. Not that oh, I'm like, yeah. oh God, no. it's over, but more like um, thank, thank you for letting me be a part of it. You know, this is great. I'm so s- similar on that. There's there's an excitement of rather than a sadness over what's ended, an excitement about what can now start. Um, um, yeah. and what's next it's like oh that was a beautiful thing i'm so happy that happened but now yeah well, what's next yeah there's going to be this other amazing thing and and that's exciting so well can we just quickly what, what was your kind of upbringing like then and your kind of route into acting i guess you said you moved around a lot um i was born in sweden yes um, so both and both my parents are swedish and that's kind of how i i feel i don't feel swedish i feel that i am i have swedish parents yeah uh, and that i'm a bit of a mongrel <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we we moved to kuwait yes. uh, in the middle east when i was two and then we sort of moved around the middle east um a bit of kuwait bahrain back to kuwait and then to oman when i was seven so i grew up in oman from seven to 14 i left 
right. um, uh, for um, a year. But, uh, you know, my mum still lived there. My dad still lived there at the time. And, and my mum lived there, you know, up until a couple of years ago. So Oman, I've always been connected to. Wherever I've moved to or gone, I've always come back there. That's been my home, my kind of... Um, wow. It's the place where I land. And within an hour, if I haven't called the entire family, I get calls saying, what's going on? Like, I, I knew you landed. Like, well, why are you not here? Um, so, and, and you know, that feeling of, I think of that, you know, when you close your eyes and, and you can smell a place and you can see the road in front of you as you're driving up to someone's, yeah. you know, someone's at your aunt, auntie's house or whatever it might be, I, I kind of feel that's home. And Oman very much is that for me. Um, and then I feel very lucky that I, I have parts of Sweden that have an essence, but it's more like visiting my grandparents or... yeah. Or my cousins was that it has that kind of muscle memory for me, and then obviously England. I moved to when I was sixteen, so I'm forty one wow. now. It's been my home, for, you know, for over half my life. Yeah. Uh, wh- why did you move to England? What was the? I'd I'd quit school. I'd quit school. I had a bit of a. I went to school, moved from Oman, went to school in Sweden for a bit. Didn't have a good time. Didn't like it. Quit school. Um, my parents were really. They sort of said you know, either get a job and support yourself or if you want to go back to education and, you know, we'll, we'll help you and support you. So I, I got a job and it was hard to get a job at 16. I moved yeah. to Stockholm. I tried to get a job there. I was a, I scrubbed pots and um, collected um, glasses because I wasn't allowed to serve alcohol because I was too young. Yeah. Um, and it was just tough. And I suddenly thought, God, I should go back to school, really. Like, I'm, this sucks. I'm going to go back to yeah. school. I remember like sitting in a park with <laughs> with my boyfriend at the time, and we didn't have any money, and we didn't have any food, and we'd got this. There's like this bread in Sweden called like it's hard bread, and that's literally what it is. It's hard bread. <laughs> <laughs> we we'd sort of that was all we had. So we took some hard bread and tap water to the park, and we we're like, this is great. It actually no, it sucks. It's yeah. really it really sucks. And um, but we, I remember both of us saying we are going to laugh about this one day. Yeah. And we're really great mates still, and oh, we do. Amazing. We like sit and I yeah. sort of go, yeah. So um, so I think so. I did that, and it was awesome. But I was like, actually, I, I want to go back to school. I want to finish school. And I was in this sort of odd situation because I didn't want to go back to Oman. I felt like I I wanted to sort of stay in Europe. And I didn't want to stay in Sweden, for sure. And I spoke English, and I felt like that sort of gave me a connection to the place. And I had friends in England, and I thought, I'll, I'll fit in. That, you know, it'll be great. Yeah. Um, so I went to a school. I've, I found a school in England um, and in Oxford, and I went there. They did this thing called the IB, International Baccalaureate, which is what I'd done before. And I sort of preferred it because right. it you didn't have to choose three subjects, which I thought was weird which I know, I know is the thing in England, yeah. but I was like, three subjects? Like, what? But I want to do all these different things. Um, I love that. And I think that desire to kind of do lots of different things is is partly where sort of acting came in. So I think like most of us, um, I wanted, I, I was always like, oh, tell stories, that's really fun, or, you know, be an actor. I didn't have a lot of experience, and unlike, you know, like you, growing up in the UK, you would have had all these frames of reference like them. You know, your, your telly, your TV, yeah, your, the yeah. cinema around you. I didn't really have that. Like in the Middle East, we had we had one cinema in Oman for a long time that just wow. showed Bollywood films, yeah. um, which was great, but it, it didn't have that kind of, ref, you know, European reference. Then the video shops came, which were mainly filled with, with sort of pirated videos. And yeah. you'd, you'd go every weekend and you'd go and you rent your videos uh, and they, they would be really dodgy and they'd be shaky and, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and you'd watch them and that'd be great. Um, 
my imagination must have been caught up by that as well and but you know by seeing people on screen but I think it was more just telling stories and um you know school reading out loud I I loved yeah. that I loved performing so that must have been there but I, there were no examples of being an actor in my family around me it wasn't a job yeah. uh, considered a job where I grew up so it's coming to England it was just it was you just did it through school so I yeah. I studied drama at school and then I went to uni and studied drama and at uni was the first time I saw people who were my sort of contemporaries there going off to this thing called drama school which I thought you kind of had to be born into an acting family to go to yeah and then suddenly I was like huh, huh? but I know them and they're going to oh maybe maybe I could go to acting school so so I did so I, I so in the end having quit school I did a lot of extra education. A lot more <laughs> so, school, yeah. Yeah, way, way more than I expected. Genuinely, I think part of school would b- benefit if you had a year that you have an option to just go away. Absolutely. And this is your out. This is your out and no one will tell you off. But what you did was you went and experienced the real world and found yourself yeah. in a park eating hard bread and water and went... <laughs> Let's get back to that education thing because yeah, yeah. that sounds because I, I was exactly the same at school. I was terrible. I hated it. And then years later, I've now fallen in love with educating myself and and all, all things like that. And but it's because I then went into the real world and worked in factories or retail or whatever else and kitchens, and then suddenly went, "All oh, right, this is what I want." It's a great. It's a one. It's a great thing, I think, to have that graft because I think yeah. it's through life. Whatever you do, if you have that graft, you can roll up your sleeves and you yeah. can do whatever. Yeah. You know, pluck chickens or yeah, scrub pots. It's vital. It will stand you in good stead. Yeah. And then, secondly, I think that that idea that education somehow stops is crazy. I, I yeah. still, I can't quite wrap my head around. I've got, a, you know, I've got a young kid now, and I, I still find it weird that suddenly we sort of we're going to farm them out at four or five to school for like. Most of the day, you know, make them force them into uniforms and and that kind of structure. When I think in my mind, I'm like, they should just be playing, surely. Yeah. yeah. And then you know, there's there's the whole thing, and you know, in your teens, I mean, you're so riddled with hormones. I don't understand how we're expecting all these like young kids yeah. to sit down and do exams, and then and and also I think that pigeonholing of like if you if you happen to not have wrapped your brain around something at some point you're you're labeled as stupid or you're labeled yeah. as incapable or you're labeled as you're not a maths person or you're not a science person you're not a i think that's kind of wildly mad yeah Don't i completely you, like, agree i completely agree and and particularly the way the education system is in the uk it's all geared around the last bit rather than the actual time yes. you're there. It's all geared around the result you get at the end, yeah. rather than what you get from the three years of studying or whatever. A, qu- a, qu- a quick story that I'm not sure if I've told on the podcast, I must have, but my brother went to university and it was a little university in Wales, in in Lampeter, and he was he had his last assignment to hand in and it was snowing and it was going to be an absolute nightmare to hand it in. It was the d- the deadline day, so he just didn't hand it in. Because his outlook was, I'm not going to learn anything more on that drive. I've learned what I've got. And it, it was the difference between he got a 2-1, he would have got a first. Yeah. But the difference between that 2-1 and that first was a drive through the snow. It wasn't any more learning. His thought was, right, I've completed the work. The, that's what I came to do. What, what I've learned in completing this, I've got that. So it doesn't matter what yeah. piece of paper they give me. And again, like it's, it's I, I joke all the time that, 
he's explained it to my parents and they've agreed and said it's good, but they still will go, but it would have been nice oh. if you'd got it first, wouldn't it? It's, it still I, would have been nice if you'd handed it in. But he literally just went, no, it's not worth it. There's, there's, I love that. It's mad that that is the difference between a first and a two-one. But I think, again, that's that, that's that outlook. That's that yeah. mentality. So he's obviously got that straight in his head, like what yeah. actually matters for him. I mean, it's now... the. The reveal now is he was studying f- philosophy, so obviously. So, <laughs> of course, it makes perfect sense now that that would be his outlook, but that shows he learned something in those years. And he, and he developed, yes, and he did. He's never stopped studying it. Like, I catch up with him now, and I'll be like, oh, what have you got on this week? And he'll be like, oh, I've got a lot of studying I'm doing. And he's not in any course. He's not going for any grade. He's just, his life, a, a large part of his life is, as you said, it doesn't just stop. It's weird that we say, right, you're finished now. You you got to 18 or 20 or 21 or whatever it is, you're done. It's like, surely I'm not done on any subject. Surely there's loads more to to learn. Absolutely. I keep, you know, I mean, I know this is just in terms of the sort of acting thing. I sort of, the conversation comes up loads and I'm sure it does with everyone. So I'm sorry if I'm like dreadfully boring on here, but so many people sort of have this idea that you're supposed to, you sold this dream that you're supposed to have achieved a version of success, the commercialised version of success, like when you're 20 um, and if you haven't, or in your 20s and if you haven't, you're a failure. I mean, that is a message we really have to shift because, I mean, I've never, like, if that's not bollocks, I don't know what is. Because that's just, it's not true. It's just not the reality for most people. For some it is, and that's great. But, I mean, geez, when I was 20, I was like, I didn't, you know, I was, like I say, I was... I, I, mean, I wasn't I, even baked. I, I'm not I, even baked now. I did a post I, a few years back on this this subject explaining that I started doing music. I started doing music at tw- 24 and then had a 10-year career in that. And the post said, and now I'm 38 and I'm doing acting. And someone at the best part of the post was someone said, I'm pretty sh- sure you're 37. And I was, I just, I'd got my age right. I don't know why I'd got confused, but it shows that again, that was just Makes all the an, difference. an amusing s- side note. But again, it's, it's exactly that. It's, there is no timeline on these things. No. It's, and, and no, as you said as well, with being where you are on that train journey or whatever, and that being important, that's relevant to all of these things. I've, I've told it before, but I, got really close to getting a part in in Neil Gaiman's last show and he gave me some wonderful feedback and it was awesome. And genuinely, my thought was, man, imagine how much better I'm going to be when the next opportunity to, to work with Neil comes up. Because that's what's, yeah. that's why I'm here in acting. I The first three acting gigs I did, I felt I learned so much through doing them that I was like, oh my God, imagine in five years' time, imagine in 10 years' yes. time. And I've never had that in anything. In music, it's so much a, here's what's happening right now. And it needs needs to happen now because you, you're getting older and you're going to r- r- run out of steam or not be able to do it f- forever. Yeah. Whereas acting, f- for me, the excitement is, wow. And writing as well. Yeah. Again, the excitement is, man, every time I do any of these things, I feel I learn so much. So imagine at 50, imagine at 60. Exactly. And also those stories are really like going back to that being storytellers. I mean, the stories that we learn from are not just the stories of 19, 20 year olds. The stories we, those are some of them. Yes. They're valid. It's not that they're not, 
But we learn from all the stories and we yeah. must learn from all the stories. And again, that ties back into what's going on right now, where, where there's this big sort of uproar that all stories must be heard yeah. because they're all valid. And if we're not hearing them, we are in a deficit and yeah. we are all losing out. Completely. The example I always give is um, you only have to look in the last few years at the amount of sequels and reboots to see that old white men have run out of stories. It's fine. They've told them all. They've been telling them for a long time and they've, they've run out. That's fine. Obviously, they've, they've had a hell of a run. They've told some amazing stories, but it's now time for other people to, to tell stories because we can't just keep rebooting Spider-Man every, every few years. Hallelujah, and so amen. On and so forth. Well, I mean, obviously, we're over the hour mark now, so I'll start oh. to wrap things up. But one of the things... I really wanted to talk about was mm. The Witcher. Um, yes. Huge, huge pressure when this was being made because the gaming industry is is picky. Yes. But, I mean, with Henry Cavill leading, that's a very so- solid pair of hands slash arms slash shoulders slash thighs <laughs> to, to carry something. But also you were in in one of the video games right was that yeah before you were in this in this or before the series so yeah before i used to go in and be locked into a dark room and do the voice for anna henrietta yeah so you already were kind of part of, of that that world so did that feel like similar with twilight it took the pressure off a bit because it's like i'm not just coming in blind i've i've, I've I'm, i know of this world i'm not just oh out of my depth as such yes Okay, I'm going to let you into a secret. Go well, ahead. I've not. It's not a secret, but I'm making it sound really dramatic. It's not dramatic <laughs> at all. I've just built something up. It's going to really fall flat. And so, but the, so, 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 I suppose having done the video games, when I got the audition, I had a sense of what the world was because I hadn't read the books. Um, yeah. And you know, and and also the books are very, very different to the video games. Yeah. They're they're sort of um, different worlds. And you know, when I sort of read for it, I. You know, I didn't, I, I'm not a gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, I really have a lot of respect for it, have a, but just have never been, that's never kind of become part of my world. And I didn't know the world, so I didn't have that kind of pressure of feeling like, oh gosh, that's a thing. Whereas like with Twilight, you know, I had, I really, I knew the books. I knew, I, I, also there weren't as many books as, as and, but um, to get involved in, but um, I didn't know much about it. So I, I've kind of learnt since I got the job and I, d- I don't think I was as in awe of it as, you know, as lots of people who are really invested yeah. in it. I was just, for me, That's it was That's got to be a good thing, right? Worth it. Well, I think as opposed to a good or bad thing, I think it is an is thing. Yeah. So it's just, that's what it, <laughs> yeah. what it yeah. you know, that's what it was. Yeah. I just know that I got the scenes. I enjoyed doing them. I really enjoyed the casting agents. I thought they were awesome. Yeah. I had a really good time with them. So I thought, okay, well, that you know, that's a bonus. And it was a uh, job that worked with my family. So that's why I, I came in and yeah. kicked off. And then I got into it. And what sort of really blew me away, and again, this kind of nicely kind of goes back to what we were saying in the beginning, the job of, the, of casting has been done so well. So you've got a beautiful cast they're all lovely like it's a genuinely really lovely set to be on it's enjoyable to go to go on set there's it's just fun loads of fun you've you know you've got people like Lars Mikkelsen I mean yes oh it's like 
work with him. I mean, I'm, I just adore it. I sort of drink in the atmosphere. And then Anya Shalotra, who's like, you know, young, you know, almost straight out of drama school, this incredible human being, you know, Eamon, I mean, oh, I, have, I have so much love for, for, for all of them. And again, that is what casting does. So casting yeah. and, and, and the show, Lauren is rich, obviously the showrunner and all the producers, you know, have really come together to create the world and then brought a cast in together who can kind of make that happen. But what they've done is they've just gone, let's just bring people who'll get on um, well together and it doesn't matter if they're huge fans of the show already or if they're not but if we just get them on board the show they will learn to love the show because they'll have a good time on it it's, you know it's, it's, I feel it's, it's part of it it's the power of good casting because again um making tv's tv and making films is amazing and exciting but parties yeah. are amazing and exciting but how unbearable is a party if there's no one there that you get on with oh exactly it's the longest most unpleasant thing in the world it's torture <laughs> yeah so yeah. it's the same uh, uh, with that. We are getting to, to live our dreams, but it's essential that the casting team are going, let's make it this I know. as enjoyable as you want it to be. Well, so I kind of feel like I've come in, you know, sneakily through the back door. You know, I feel like I've sort of, I'm the one who wasn't at the party to begin with and I somehow got in and I'm like, this is great. I Amazing. feel really lucky to be part of this awesome party. And now obviously, you know, the Witcher world is amazing and I'm in and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sold, but... Oh, I heard a bang. Is everything okay? Sorry, there was a bang in my house. No. No, I think it's fine. You sure? It's either my child's fallen out of bed or like we're being burgled. We'll find well, out. Let's hope it's, it's neither. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's, that's my random sort of um, <laughs> witcher, witcher thing. Because I think you always expect that actors are really know the world, but I, I didn't. I, was, I, th- I think I it was... can be the best because, as said, I think with, with your fellow cast and with the show itself, if you're intimidated as you said you're not going to relax and you're not going to be able to, yeah. to to give everything that you need to give and i think that can be a dangerous thing i think we see it every now and then with things like star wars i think yeah. they're amazing but i think there's been times that the machine has been too intimidating to 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 allow the amazing people involved to do everything that they're capable of yeah. if you know what i mean i think that's I that's common in a, in a lot of things like that so yeah that sounds absolutely perfect i i at that same party that Michael Smiley was shouting in my face, <laughs> Henry was there, and I messaged my partner to say that he is the most f- f- flawless human I've ever seen in the flesh. It made <laughs> perfect sense that he's Superman, because I was literally, I was chatting, and I was like, I can't stop looking at your physique, your face, everything. I was like, I thought, in you know, the camera does a lot of work, and, and I was like, no, this is just... <laughs> this flawless human it's it was for real yo yeah <laughs> it's astounding so i guess i'll kind of wrap things up by asking what's ahead obviously there is more witcher to come um yeah yes uh, what's ahead and, uh, uh, and what's the plan when i had i can't remember if it was on the po- podcast or just chatting personally simon Pegg spoke about how as soon as he had a family his work life changed completely because he was like, this has mm. to be stuff that I really want to do. Again, as we spoke about earlier, that nerves of I need to accept everything or someone else will accept yeah. it or my career will be over or there won't be another gig. And someone was like, as soon as I had a family, I had to go, right, no, this has to j- justify me being away from my family. So it, it, I will yeah. not be accepting just anything that comes along. So, yeah, how is that work-home home balance for you? 
I mean, so far, touch wood, it's, it's worked out okay. But um, in the sense that I've always, every job I've ever done, I've insisted that my family's with me. Um, and we, we sort of travel like a little mini traveling circus. And luckily, I've, you know, I've, I've got a, a husband who's made that possible and um, and a kid who's made that possible. Um, but that is um, paramount. That That's the sort of primary thing. Yeah. I, you know, I've always, I think I've always thought, you know, life is my bigger picture, whether I had a family or not, whether I had a kid, yeah. you know, or not. I've always been, life is the bigger picture. And if if it's working with your life, then that's great. And if it's not, but but there definitely, you know, there was a time when my life pretty much was was work. And again, that thing, when especially when you haven't worked a lot in the beginning of your career, you know, which is the norm for most of us, you know, it took Absolutely. me about, I think, what is it, like eight, ten years before I could make a living only off acting, which I am well aware is incredibly lucky that that was a possibility but it takes time for, for yeah. most of us um and then when it happens you are terrified to say no so you don't you yeah. say no to i mean you say yes rather to, to everything yeah. so um for a while that was all i i did and i remember at some point going this isn't healthy because i don't have i don't have anything inside me i'm i'm sort of i'm so tired i i love work and i still do i think it's an extraordinary job like really yeah, what an, I, I love sets. I'm really excited it? by them. I know, right? It's it's so right. much fun, yeah. and all these people and all these stories, and it's wonderful and adrenaline, and it's great, and and all these brilliant people on like crews who know what they're doing. Like they, they get their niche, and they like they, they turn up, and you don't have to tell them. They just yeah. they they go and set up the lights. It's, I mean, it's awesome. For me, it's, it's that it's, 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 what, so it's what we were saying earlier about that in your later life. <laughs> the excitement of learning. I'm just there yeah. going, wow, this is amazing. Like as I said, I've told yeah. it a million times, but the reason my role got bigger in 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 taboo and I hit it off with Tom and Stevie and that was because every time Dad wrapped me, I'd be like, Does anyone mind if I stick around and and watch? Because yeah, yeah, this is amazing. These are yeah. amazing these are people that I've I've got every DVD of. <laughs> if I'm yeah. allowed to just be here and learn more, fucking hey. Yeah. That's awesome. Obviously yeah. in COVID times that isn't an option sets are strict and tight you can't just kind of linger about but it's still on the moments you're on there it's yeah I'm that excited kid just going I know my bit I've learned everything but I'm just so excited to look at everyone else and see what you're doing and yeah yeah I'm the same and actually I think you know in that sense that you know as you get older as well and you, you get a bit more comfortable just in your own skin you know whether yeah. it's it, it's not necessarily it's just that's life even more so yeah. because then you can be excited without having to sort of pretend that you know it all. I'm like, I know nothing. Yeah. And I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's, this is great. Yeah. How lucky, how yeah. lucky to have that. So a, yeah. a, a, a Witcher is, is happening again at the moment. And then have you got anything lined up that you can talk about? Yeah, as you, as you, my brain is still going, Pip. It's like I go <laughs> off on tangents. I can't remember. Anything. Yes, um, you've got to rein me in. Yeah, so which is happening. So we're finishing that. Obviously, lockdown, everything shut down, and yeah. um, that's carrying on now, which is great. Um, yeah, and then there's been a stop on sort of everything. So currently, that's all I have planned in my calendar. So we we will see. Um, it's such a mystery, doing isn't it? That a bit. Because it feels like when yeah. those those gates are opened again, it's going to be I a know. fucking swarm. Because it feels like there's so much that is just waiting to know some kind of clarity on what can be done because again these aren't things that it's really expensive to start and stop and start and stop a movie production because it's it's, yes it's huge i mean we are incredible i mean we are incredibly lucky that this industry has been allowed to continue and you know for example what's happened with theater is 
is devastating yeah. And, yeah, and, and just wrong on so many levels that, that it's not being supported more. Um, however, the fact that film is able to and, and television is able to carry on, partly because, you know, companies like, I mean, like Netflix really should be running the pandemic uh, yeah. or, or the pande- response to the pandemic because the way they you know, are testing everyone, are are keeping on top of it, are shutting things down, are shutting pockets of the production down. If there's an outbreak, if if our country was run like that, we'd all be fine. Uh, We get tested three times a week. And it's, Mm. for me, it's a two hour round trip to go and get tested on a day off or whatever. But I had a test on the Wednesday because I was filming on the Saturday. And then I got, I was was off on the Thursday and they said, we need you in, a fr- Friday to test you. And I was like, well, can't I just get tested on Saturday? They're like, no, well, you're filming on Monday. So we need to test you on Friday. So we've got the results through for Monday rather than test Saturday because we wouldn't have had them in time. And it's like, I was like, fucking, I love this. This is a, this is beautiful. I, I was like, I, I, I was I only suggesting it as a save everyone some time. But they're like, no, we're that strict on it. It's not a kind of, oh, you're in yeah. on Saturday. We'll do it then. It's like, no, we need three days to get our tests through and then, well, we tested you yeah. on Wednesday. We te- yeah, I love it. I, I do too. I think it's awesome. I'm so grateful for it because yeah. it's sort of necessary. But because a lot of productions are able to do that, you know, film and TV is, is able to carry on and we're incredibly lucky. But, you know, you drive to set and you realise, you look around and you realise that there are thousands of people there. Yeah. So that means thousands of people are bringing home money to feed yeah. themselves, their families, their extended families. It is an enormous industry. Um, that is not just serving the people working in it, it's serving everyone around. I mean, I know for myself, like, you know, there, there are a lot of people who, um, including me, who are very lucky that I am able to work currently yeah. and and make a living at a time when so many people aren't. And I'm incredibly grateful that the industry is able, but I think it is an amazing thing. that, and And I think it's right that the industry should still be allowed to carry on because it's, you know, because it does carry out such strict testing. Um, It is possibly one of the safest places. I mean, nobody's safe from COVID. I mean, it's, it, uh, it's everywhere. So it's, it's not about that, but it's in terms of being safe. I think it's one of the safest, safest places to work. That's exactly, it's an industry that has the the money to test things Mm. properly, which many industries wouldn't have. Mm. And then Mm. like, for example, the place I was filming on Tuesday is somewhere that was closed down because of COVID. So they wouldn't be earning anything. Now exactly. they can earn as a film set. Yes. And again, I think there's so many different businesses and companies that can benefit from the money the film industry has to make it as safe Absolutely. as possible. Like they, they, Absolutely. They couldn't test their staff every day and all their customers every day and open, so they've had to close. Yeah. Yeah. But the film industry can do all of these things. So, so, so therefore they can then put some money back into all these, these different areas. So yeah, I definitely, it, it is a case of seeing past that kind of, oh, so these millionaire actors aren't having to stop work. And it's like, no, it's everyone else. Every everyone else. My gosh. The- and you've got artisans, you've got, you know, like yeah. sculptures, laborers. I mean, it, it is, it's such a huge, you know, drivers, it's a huge, um, huge cross section. Well, yeah, I mean, the catering is the easiest one to explain. The catering is yeah. because, again, there's no events going on. So the no. fact that all the catering companies have somewhere to to to, to work and earn money is yeah. fucking great. Yeah, it's amazing. And then you know, on top of it, you can all go home and then watch it. Yeah, binge on it. Exactly. That's the <laughs> other big bonus. It's so. It was so interesting 
And theatre is the perfect example there. It was so interesting how disrespected it was at the start of all of this and kind of passed off as, oh, it's just, it's throwaway, it's entertainment. Beyond. And then, sadly, what it took, and it shouldn't have taken this, because, as said, the arts are one of the most important things for all of society, in my opinion. But what it actually took was them turning around and going, you know theatre brings in something like four billion a year b- b- because of the the of how it is in London and all, all of this, how important it is for the economy. And that made the government say, we're going to do a few funds and, and we're going to support a little bit. It's like, you shouldn't have needed that. No. You should have just gone, well, these are people who no. are as worthy as anyone else. I think plumbers and everyone else who's suffering should have support from the government, but so should the arts, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, you know, this is a government who thinks it's okay to not feed children who need it. Yep, 100%. <laughs> and, and then <laughs> spends $16 billion on on weapons. Yeah. On, but on- I, wonder, I wonder if that sort of is what happens when you have, you know, a lot of people um, who have no real cr- experience of a cross-section of society or no. cross-section of industries or real understanding. You have people in charge of things who don't really have any experience of being in charge of it at all yeah so you know it sort of feels like politics being played out for personal gain as opposed to um a real profound understanding you know it kind of blows me away and played as well played is the key word there it doesn't it feels like it's such a casual oh it didn't work out let's try something else oh really this literally this has done huge damage Ah, exactly or if we just ignore the question and just keep repeating our our message or our mantra it'll be okay yeah. It, I mean, it is shameful, like outrageously really? shameful. And, you know, the more it's called out, the better. But I, it's sort of quite despairing that it's even, you know, in that position. Again, I mean, if we're to think of like positives, there are voices who are emerging, who are interesting and who, um, you know, s- seem to be coming from a place of sense and care. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, they just happen to not be in governing power right now. But oh, um, oh, When I was str- str- struggling the most, with all of it, someone had just mentioned on Twitter, just go and spend 10 minutes sc- sc- scrolling through Marcus Rashford's timeline. And it was when the government had said no to feeding children. And yeah. he was just retweeting all these businesses. I'm, I'm generally, I'm yeah. welling up now, just all these businesses who said, we will, we're going to yeah. feed them. And it was just, I scrolled and thought, oh, it'd be a few. I Honestly, I scrolled for 10 minutes and didn't get to the bottom of it. And it was just, there we go. Again, the answer isn't charity. Charity is, 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 it's become a necessity. The answer should be the government support mm. the people who are, they are there to serve. But it mm. was such a beautiful emotional moment to, to scroll through and go, all right, it feels like yeah. the world's terrible, but there's good this in is, the, yeah, within all exactly. of this. There's another reality here. Exactly. There we go. Well, that's a, a, a beautiful place to, to end things on then. A nice, a nice positive. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. I'm so glad we got to do this. I know, me too. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me blab at you for, what, an hour hour and a bit? Hour and 20. It's been been a joy. Joyful. I look forward to doing it in person at some point when, uh, again, I keep saying this at the end, I'm I'm excited to see people in person, but I'm in no rush either. Yeah, You know, when the time is right, everything has to be done properly. I don't think we should be, yeah. No, we will be exactly. We will be careful. It, exactly, and yeah. if it happens, we might still want you know our masks around and um, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that point where it's like, I'm sorry, I, I just don't feel comfortable without my mask. Yeah. Can I, I need I please? the mask. Um, <laughs> 
I, I, I thought my beard was covering up enough of my face, but no, I've now got used to even more being covered up and being more comfortable. So Yeah, I love a mask. It's yeah. good. Well, perfect. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. Didn't I tell you that was an absolute joy? You can hear that we both adored having that conversation. We had a bit of a chat before we got rolling, and we had a bit of a chat afterwards. In fact, I've just remembered the thing that I meant to mention in the intro, so I'm going to get Buddy Peace to do that thing where you're hearing it now, but you've already heard it and you didn't know because he's just the best, the best producer in the world. So... Oh, that's it. Yeah, I, I wanted to mention that before we started r- r- rolling, we were chatting about um, kind of popcorn films and just there's like I've had a bit of time in this recent bit of the pandemic where I've not wanted I've got so many good things I need to get watched and want to get watched, but I've not been in the mood for them. So I've been in the mood for for popcorn films, and I think at one point Miana references that, and it occurred to me as she was saying it that I was like, oh. That was our conversation before we were recording. So I thought I'd give you a heads up now. So when she randomly mentions popcorn, it will make sense. I think I think it didn't make sense. It might make sense. Who knows? There we go. See, I gave a pause and everything. Cause, so you will have heard that in the intro and not known that Buddy Peace is the greatest producer in the world. And just cut it, slunk it in there. Beautiful. Yeah, as you can see, yeah, we had a really good chat. A bit, a brief chat beforehand, and then I was like, "Let's just get rolling," um, and then even more chatter at the end. So, um, yeah, what a wonderful human, right? And a wonderful artist. Perfect outlook, I think. And I, I was fascinated to hear of her travelling um, upbringing, and I think people have moved around a lot and experienced different cultures because there is big different cultures. If you're going from Sweden to Oman to London. You know, that's big differences. There's huge differences, not only in language, but in cultures as well. I think it makes for some of the best people because they've experienced a lot of different, not just read about or not just gone online and read the negative or positive bias about certain places or areas. They've, They've lived in these different cultures and seen the good and the bad. And yeah, I think it's really positive and I think it comes across in her as a human and as a as an artist so there we go that's my analysis <laughs> of a friend of mine that's my quick breakdown of 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 my pal so um yeah i hope you enjoyed that i'll be back next week with i think the most popular podcast i've done this year potentially i don't know there's been a lot of good ones this year the drunk casts with ramesh and with brett and with james acaster and ed gamble and jade adams and rich wilson all are pretty good but yeah i caught up with a couple of mates the day before i recorded this conversation and it's a bit of a special one because it's two people that i know a lot of you are big fans of and two people i adore and the conversation was just another one of my favorites i've been so lucky this week because i've been working and filming but that also comes with a lot of isolation and a lot of covid tests and a lot of all these other things so to get to chat to three people that I don't get to chat to often and were 
an absolute joy to catch up with and to kind of get advice from and learn from. Yeah, it's been a good week in that respect. So, um, yeah. <sighs> anyway, this is all reflective at the end, isn't it? All, all wonderful and reflective. Oh, I, was, I, I should mention as well, if you're listening still, you're probably not. I did a post the other day on Instagram and all those places to say, look, we're near to a really good milestone on the podcast listener wise and it'd be great to get there before the end of the year so if you are at home more than you're expecting or numerous things like that and you're looking for podcasts either go back and recheck out some of your favorites this has been going for six years some of them conversations aren't going to be as as familiar as as they were at the time um i said the neil muscular michael smiley ones are classics those dudes are legends so go back and re-listen or if there's ones that you missed or maybe like have a browse through the 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 356 episodes and go right what one did i go oh I'll listen to that and then it then never got around to or what one have you heard me reference in numerous conversations and you think i'll, I'll give that a listen and and then never get around to so i'm basically urging the hardcore fans, rather than asking you to spread it or tell other people, that's always good. I appreciate when you do that, but just kind of urging you to have a proper binge because you guys are the guys that, that, that really know this podcast and know how lucky I've been with some of these conversations. All right, I'll leave it there. This has been a really upbeat and positive intro and outro, isn't it? I haven't been this rambly and chatty in quite some time but i think that's a reflection of the conversations i had this week on the the one you've just heard and the one you the the two you're going to hear next week yeah hope you're well and being safe and making sure you are prioritizing your uh your mental health in these times and you're keeping an eye on things and going right am i all right am i okay and what do i need even if you maybe don't think you need conversations or interaction maybe maybe force yourself to 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 ring a few people to catch up with a few pals and yeah look after your mind ladies and gentlemen right i am actually gonna go now i'm I'm walking around i'm recording this at 10 p.m the friday before you heard this 10 30 10 29 to be exact and i'm just strolling about having a good old chat and a good old ramble with you lovely people who continue to support year after year um through all the different weird situations that that we're going through um this isn't this is never going to end this could be the never-ending outro i I resisted doing the rrr bit from never-ending story theme then hope you did it in your head ladies and gentlemen um yeah i'm gonna go (laughs) i'll see you next week ta-ta Oh, someone messaged me there. Ha <laughs> I didn't go. Someone messaged me the other day to say I'd not been saying tatar at the end. And big reveal, I, I had no idea that was like a trademark thing that I always did. I know I say welcome, welcome, at, welcome, welcome, welcome at the start, but I've never thought about what I say at the end. And I must have got in the habit of saying tatar and uh, then drifted out of that habit. And someone was like, oh man, it's changed. I am actually going to go now so ta ta